Can you hear me? All right, we're back. Left it on a hard, <laughs> bold statement of like, the only way you can know if God loves you is universalism. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> I just, it doesn't, I mean, see, and this is where I think David Billy Hart, ultimately what he's saying is like, in, in, it's not internally consistent unless universalism is true. As a universalist, you can say God loves you, hard stop. On everything else, you're going to do all sorts of gymnastics and loop arounds to, to say that. You'll say God loves you, maybe. God loves you, but kind of, and by that I mean he loves you and he wants, and he wants you to be saved. But what that really means is like not really wants and not really effective and not really effectual It's because he still values your ability. He loves you so much. God loves you so much, he, he values your, ref, your refusal of him and your eternal damnation more than actually your salvation. That's how much he loves you. <laughs> so it's pretty good. Which, I mean, just is, is to me real. And this is where I start to get fired up a little bit and start to probably get a little sassy like David Bentley Hart is mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't think people really believe it. Well, that's the argument. That is the that is the actual argument. If you get them alone in a closet and you say, "Hey, what do you think?" They're going to be like, "I don't know," you know. And and uh, you know, if if we if we sing songs like "Our God Reigns," and then we don't believe He wins, and like I said to you in the last conversation, and and yet He sent His only Son, whom He loves. What kind of a God is that? He's a loser, like, you know. I mean, it's hard because, and another thing that you, you haven't gotten to it, I don't think yet, Caleb, and I wanted to see how you're processing, processing all this because I can I see you processing. But uh, he says later in the podcast something like, um, essentially the doctrine of like, <laughs> if Paul ever listens to this, he could be, I mean, Paul's good spirited, but like he goes hard after Calvinism. And, um, and he, he's saying that when you elevate, when you elevate the attribute of God's sovereignty to such a degree in such a way that he, um, how does he say that? Essentially that like his, that his values and his autonomy in divine election and, and reprobation is somehow set in contrast and against his reconciling love. He's like, that's, I think that's essentially the way he framed it. He's like, that's, and I think, I don't know if he said that's maybe, he said something like that, that being the most reprehensible doctrine that's ever. <laughs> like, oh, but I don't know. Probably. <laughs> oh, I can't hear you. You can't hear me? What happened? You hear me? What's happening? I hear you guys. You hear You're me. silent, Sherry. Can you hear can me? Hear her. I can hear. Yeah, I hear you guys. Is it me? Might be you. There it is. I hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yes. Perfect. So I don't know if I you did. heard if you heard me I did. repeating. I heard everything. Okay. All right. I heard everything. But I'm just wondering, Caleb, what, what, yep. what do you think? Did you hear me, Caleb? No. So this is all, um, 
I keep tabs on, I keep tabs on the Orthodox intro to Orthodox. Um, just cause there's a lot of different viewpoints that, uh, I like to, to think about. Um, mm. and so this is all kind of a new or newish, uh, thing that I'm walking through, um, mm. and thinking through, um, right. What's that? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I just want truth. Um, like I don't care what club I'm in. I don't care you know, whatever, uh, my boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so how do you know that God loves you with the universalist through a universalist lens? Like why? Uh, everyone will be saved. Everyone will be reconciled to God. Well, yeah, but not just like the, like it, it, there's a process. Um, right. Which doesn't mean, which is that article that you sent. That doesn't mean that it's just like, ha, that, there's no, like, there's no necessarily pain or judgment or shedding or difficulty or crucibles that don't come alongside with that. I mean, of course, right. like there's, and, and I mean, I think we all know this. We all know that intuitively, like you just, <laughs> I mean, by comparison, everything in your life from the time you're a child to you're an adult is you reap what you sow. I mean, you know, like yeah. you made your bed lie in it. Like that's just, that's kind of a universal axiom. And, and that's what, and I actually, and it's, and it's kind of like almost by comparison that like it wouldn't be, it actually wouldn't be loving if you if you could imagine a father as me as an earthly father if i just if my kids can sorry oh but just as an earthly father if like my kids consistently got into situations that were bad for them because they Mm -hmm. had poor character and i just came in and rescued them from that rescued them from that rescued them from that without without allowing them to sit in this in the circumstance that they had created for themselves and then also like dig their way out and work their way out it's that's not actually love that's like totally that's enabling and like and and so like i would say then how much more does the perfect heavenly father have that relationship with us universalism is not a get out of jail free card no um, at all. I don't, I don't think it's any, yeah, it's I don't think it's any less severe. It's just not wicked. <laughs> it's just not well, like it's it. Not, it's what it is, is it is not eternal damnation. And, and like David Bentley Hart says over and over and George MacDonald, eternity is freaking long. Okay. It's forever, you know, <laughs> and that's not what it is. It, you know, there is a there is a hell, but the hell is a purification process. I mean, that's just putting it. Well, know. and in and in um, just for, I mean, I know enough of the subject of hell and just from studying that and being in that world and being around a lot of different people that hold to a lot of different views. The whole doctrine of hell and the three different orthodox positions, which are eternal conscious torment, annihilationism, or conditional immortality, and then universal reconciliation. 
there's a there's a big diversity of people within that. So there are people who would. I'm sure that there are people that are universalists that would say hell doesn't exist. Like there is no such thing. It's just like a. Um, I I've I've thought of it this way that there are people who probably would say that like in in the movie The Matrix when um, after <laughs> I love this movie too after Neo goes and sees the Oracle and then he's coming back and he says and he's trying to talk to. Um, what's the guy Morpheus and say like, um, you know, you had told me I, you know, like you had told me I'm the one he was going to tell him, you know, you had told me I'm the one, but the, the Oracle just told him the Oracle had just told him that he wasn't the one. Right. Do you remember this part? And then, and then eventually, eventually when, when Neo finds out that he is indeed the one, he goes to Morpheus and he says, but the Oracle told me I wasn't the one. And Morpheus replies to him, and this is how I always think of the hell thing, is like Morpheus says, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. And, um, and I've always thought that like, not, I, I do believe in hell. I don't think... I don't think it's really clear what exactly that is and what it entails besides a place for the, um, the punishment. And I would say purification of sin, whatever that is and looks like. Um, but I, but I just want to say that that's a long caveat. I was just going to say, I'm sure there are universalists that say hell doesn't exist. It's just, a, it, it's a, it's a mechanism to enable you to walk the path. Well, David Bentley Hart, he, he defines it as classic universalism. So it's the mm. universal, universalism that de derives itself from Gregory of Nyssa. And the yeah, world. from the patristics, right. And, and yeah. they would definitely affirm hell. Um, but I'm just saying, I'm sure there are modern universalists that are yeah. a little bit more in like, that probably stem from like liberal, progressive, evangelical folds oh, that yeah. are just like, hell doesn't really exist. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, Caleb, there's a, I posted in that, in that um, chat there an article that kind of gives the patristic viewpoint of what that hell would look like. So Word. if you want, if you want to read that. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, so I'm huge on refinement and uh, a, a term I constantly, like, constantly use is, is capitalized refinements fire um so that idea of yeah that idea i'm that that's totally uh hell is a refining no hell is a refining fire or um, a consuming fire yeah. you mean yeah 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 because yeah. like yeah with with even in heaven there's a oh sorry um Go ahead. oh in heaven, there's there's even uh, you know work is is to be done, um, you know there's there's still process even on the the blessed side of it. Right. Um, there's still harps to be played, <laughs> clouds to be sat on. <laughs> yeah, just chilling, you know, just lounging around. Right. No, I think that there's that Cake there's still um, process, <laughs> and so uh, it's it's. You know, that would be, that would make sense. Um, I was going to say that I think 
an interesting thing that I've gleaned from annihilationism is the fact that um, and and you know evangelical and stuff um, it's interesting that it it changes it from fire insurance like it throws that whole paradigm out the window yeah to, for the most part and and switches it to relationship of love um it's it's not acquiescing to god it's no this is like all like this is all that matters this is you know it's it's a difference of like well i have to do this to you know this is truth and this is um if yeah. i don't do this at all you know whatever to just complete like no i want to serve this this creator um like i want to take part in this love story yeah uh, it's that's an interesting side of that and this is it's a similar touching in on this uh or learning about all this is a similar revelation to me um so yeah it DBH kind of gets to me, but well, he's, it. he's, yeah, he's an intense guy, but it's really, um, I'm all for intense. Right. It's not about that. <laughs> he's, well, he's, yeah, he's, he's pretty un- antagonistic. He arrogant, arrogant rhetoric. And, uh, right. You know, he's an arrogant rhetorician. Yeah. yeah There's a, yeah. one thing that I would say just broadly, universally about my, <laughs> my experience with the doctrine of hell within within Christianity in particular and for my experience I mean Protestant evangelicalism um, there's a lot of there's a lot of dogmatism and a whole and an equal amount of ignorance mm. it's people who are very very dogmatic about something they have not looked into slightly you know <laughs> it, that, that, yeah, that totally whole, that whole stance that people take that dogmatic position it's always reminded me of when you're in a canoe with somebody and they stand up and you're like what the freaking out right absolutely like it doesn't matter why they're standing up just sit down right <laughs> and, and, and that mm. that is the position that people have is that they they just, they lose it. They're, they're, they're operating out of fear, you know? And, and then all of a sudden they're, they're, they don't listen. They don't care why you're standing up in the canoe. They're just like, shut up and sit down, you know? Um, and, and that, that to me is indicative of someone who is operating out of fear. And so I, I think I'm, I'm way more, um, at ease with somebody who, when I bring up the idea of universal reconciliation, I don't like calling it salvation. And that's actually not what the Tristics call it. And that's not what David Hart calls it, calls it universal reconciliation. And that is to me the truth, because that is what the Bible is all about. It goes from Genesis to universal reconciliation, the new heaven and the new earth. It, everything is made new, right? And 
And if I talk to somebody about that and they start yelling at me and telling me to shut up and sit down, then I know I'm, I'm doing a dogma, okay? But if I mention it and the person is like, really? Then we, you know, then there's a conversation to be had, right? And and um, and I'm I personally am that I am open-minded because to me the whole this whole idea is it's 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 percolating down it's percolating down into all the rest of scripture that I'm that I'm. Mm. It, yeah, it changes. It, it definitely changes. It's one of those things that like, I don't know, people, people could think I'm a liberal for quoting Rob Bell, whatever. This is stuff I talk about with Preston all the time. I love Rob Bell. And so, and Pre, I don't know, Preston was introducing <laughs> me to someone the other day and he's like, he's like the Orthodox Rob Bell. And I was like, <laughs> um, but uh, um, one, oh, now I, making jokes and i lost my whole point um percolating down you were saying. oh the whole the whole understanding of hell i think one thing that's helpful in realizing is that the rob bell quote that i was going to say is like once once you see you can't unsee once you taste you can't untaste once you hear you can't unhear it really is once you and i think seeing is a really good way to see it like once you've seen something it's just like boom it's there and you have it you know, once you've tasted something, you know how it tastes. You can't not know how it tastes anymore. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the, the, the idea, I remember, you know, I, I don't know how long ago it was. It seems like eons now, but Paul was talking about the conversion story, remember? And he was saying, Paul Vanderclay, and he was, he was talking about the idea that, you know, it's a process. Conversion is a process, right? And then I find out that orthodoxy believes that conversion is a process. Salvation like, even. Right. So hmm. why wouldn't the afterlife be a process? Like if, if this is all a process, why, why is there like a cutoff? It's like, well, even like oh, oh, shout out to Esther O'Reilly. Esther, Esther doesn't believe like death is the end of sanctification she she's open to even she's even open to like post-mortem conversion um and so preach the gospel yeah well and that's just the thing that i want to i guess the 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 like the uh what's the word the uh flag the peace flag that i want to send out to anyone who would listen to this or just to anyone I have the conversation with is that you have to be, I mean, it's almost like a Brett Weinstein thing of like strong manning and you have to be charitable with people understanding the frames that they're coming from. Because I do think at, um, at this rethinking hell conference that I went to a few years ago, I met a philosopher who was doing a, uh, like an offshoot lecture from some university in Texas. And he, he told me, and I think this is true. He said, if you come to the Bible as a philosopher, he's like, you'll be a universalist. If you come to the Bible as an exegete, he's like, there's a good chance you'll come away as an annihilationist. If you come to the Bible as like a traditionalist uh, historian, and I would put the caveat in the West, you'll come away believing in eternal conscious torment. And so a lot of it is you have to understand people's frames. Like I know. I know that when I'm talking to someone 
who like, for example, Preston, who's very evangelical in like his, his convictions about the Bible and its authority. And like, that's the Bible kind of like, and he wouldn't say this. I mean, he, like he understands tradition works with it and everything, but he doesn't, he's a, still a sola scriptura guy. Like his elephant is pretty sola scriptura. And so when you're talking to him about universalism, I mean, it's just going to be text after text after text after text. What about this text? What about this text? What about, and, and, um, and that's a game that like that game can get really complicated. Um, and, but I think, um, universalism, well, it's interesting. I actually don't, I'll just say this. Very few people are going to watch it anyhow, but like, (laughs) um, I was, uh, I mentioned to Preston, there was an interview, another interview that I think you shared, Sari, where David Bentley Hart, it was just a back and forth quick one. It was on YouTube exclusively where he was talking about biblical translators and biblical scholars yeah. and theologians. And he made the comment like, well, they really only studied Greek in seminary or divinity school, which means they, and they're not a classicist. So he said, what that means is they don't actually know Greek. And, uh, and I just thought that was a very David Bentley Hart comment. And I like, and I sent the clip to Preston who, you know, has a PhD. He went to divinity school, you know, he has a, he studied Greek, all that stuff, like, you know, for years in these different levels. And, um, and I sent it to him and just said, just watch this part. And he, and he replied to me and said, like, you know, and he's just kind of laughing and he said, you know, I agree with him completely. (laughs) I was wondering what, how people would respond to that. Yeah, he was just saying in that world because he was saying like he well, and this is well, I I won't go too in depth into like airing Preston's dirty laundry, but um, or I mean that's his stuff to tell, I guess. But um, it's and and I know enough, I know enough about language, and I know enough about English, and having conversations with people, people don't people don't understand English, and it's their native language, let alone like these Greek yeah. new testaments. And like, so how much do you know? It's one thing to learn how to read it and read particularly like I've always heard Koine Greek, but Dave Bentley Hart said it's pronounced differently, but he's like, you wouldn't yeah. know that. <laughs> um, so like, that's one thing, but then how much have, how much Greek have you read outside of the Bible and how much are you familiar with that world? Yeah. And just understanding how language works. It's hard. Yeah, and I don't know, I, there was a few years back, one last thing, where like, you have you probably have heard alluded to the beef between N.T. Wright and David Bentley Hart. They were going back and forth in blogs a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Well, people on the channel will know. I mean, a lot of people love N.T. Wright. You know, he wrote the big 500, 800 book, page book on the resurrection. And he's great. He writes a lot and he's fantastic. I love him. But they both came out with translations of the New Testament at similar times, and they kind of got into this back and forth in a blog form, just Mm -hmm. debating all these different points of translation. I couldn't, I can't even, like, and I mean, I'm a nerd, and like, I couldn't even, it's way beyond me. I mean, they're talking about stuff that probably, I would say 99% of the people reading it, probably higher than that, that's probably charitable, didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're two of the best New Testament Greek scholars in the world. And they're debating these finer points and think each other is silly. You know, like it's just. So when people start saying like, oh, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, number one, you're reading it in English. 
which isn't which aren't the like what's what's the technical word word the uh proper well the original the original letters there's a technical word for it whatever but like the uh we when when christians talk about the bible inspiration they believe the the actual first letter written in greek was the inspired mm. thing and through textual criticism and like all this scientific stuff like whatever there's degrees of certainty that we actually have that in what we have now but that's one thing in the greek and then you're getting a translation into all these other languages which you know and i believe the holy spirit's working through all that like i'm not this is one of the big reasons I'm not a sola scriptura person is because like, if you want to play that rationalist foundationalist game, good luck. Have at it. It doesn't work. Debating whether or not Adam and Eve were real people. Like what's the point? You know? like, sure. Or it's like debating <laughs> six day creationism with Ken Ham. Like, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, thanks. Rather not. Sorry. I've been talking a lot. No, that's, that's okay. Um, yeah. Um, one of the other things was, that I wanted to mention about the whole idea that has been, um, uh, we've, we've been going through the, in the book club, we've been going through the justice sermon. And so it's kind of going hand in hand. And I am reading his book. Mm. That also faith. Right. Okay. Okay. Great. And, um, and then, uh, yeah. So yesterday in the book club, it, it, it got really interesting because we were talking about vicarious sacrifice and, and George MacDonald has a pretty strong standpoint on, on that, on vicarious sacrifice, you know, yeah. like why would, why would God, he actually gets into some of Gerard's mimetic theory. Yeah. Way before no, I agree. Gerard came up with it. Right. Yeah. Because he's talking about the fact that, you know, it's not just enough to take a scapegoat and put it on the cross, but you have to take the most innocent and the most good and the most lovely. Right. And, um, and then we got talking amongst each other and, um, and yeah, concluded that, that uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't offer a good explanation by curious mm. sacrifice, you know, that God is taking out his wrath on mankind on his son. Right. And, yeah. and, the, and, and the premise of the justice sermon is that God didn't come to punish sin. He came to destroy sin. And so again, I'm saying it's the setting of the captives free, right? It's yeah. the Gerard mimetic theory it's a turning everything upside down and saying it's not this isn't what it, it's about it's like it's like the ouroboros is no longer eating its tail mm. right yeah that circular violence has stopped and yeah and, and, and take those two ideas gerard's mimetic theory and and um and the justice sermon i see coherence there is coherence there yeah no no i no i <laughs> i no i do i mean i agree too it's um like that's but, the biggest thing to me luke and when you said you know if you're a philosopher then you'll come away as a universal well maybe i'm maybe i'm just a philosopher 
maybe that's my problem. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's not, I'm not trying to say, I'm just, I, I say all that to say that it's just, you have to be aware of your, your personal temperament and proclivities and the things because we all have our own personal subjective hierarchies that value certain things above other things that limit what we see. Right. And I think there's just, that's where I, um, I just like to have that or I try to have that posture of humility. I mean, I just, I don't think I'm any less have any like less of a degree of conviction than the next person, you know, but I think, it's just really healthy to recognize why you see the things that you see. And of course, if you see like whatever frame you put on things, part of that whole process is to make things cohere. And so of course everything will cohere depending upon your bigger framework. I think, but I think what David Bentley Hart, his main argument is that, um, I understand what he's saying about incoherence. I, yeah, I mean, he's he's just saying that, like, you're going to try to put this frame on it. And he's trying to we say that, like, things don't things don't internally cohere. Right. So, well. I mean, think, think about the details of of a of an elect. Let's say a predestined, you know, election. Um, what do you do? What do you do with a with a, a miscarriage, where's that little soul gone? What about a stillborn? How about a five-year-old? And then what, what about the 14-year-old? Where are they? You know, yeah. and then who's, who's making the rules as to where they are? Are the rules made to make the parents feel better? You know, to soothe the conscience of the pastor who, who doesn't have an explanation for malevolence and pain in the world and suffering? Yeah. It, you know, things get arbitrary and muddy really quick. And that's just one example. Well, and that's where I do. I mean, there are a lot of examples of those. And yeah, that's where, in that sense, I don't know. I, and I don't, I mean, I would, universalism is pretty, it's pretty cut and dry logically. You know, like it's not like we were saying earlier it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's easy it doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard and difficult and painful but like everyone's saved like that that question like what yeah, happens no, to the baby it's not that though to me to me luke it's not that it, it's not everyone's saved it's god is good that's the ultimate thing sure god is good and he reigns and he wins right and i get it i mean those are the same thing in my mind, but I was just playing off the idea of like what happens to this unborn child, you know? Right. Okay. Yeah. It's more, it's, and I think, I mean, ultimately I've heard sermons preached on that, like John Piper, Bethlehem Baptist. I've heard him preach a sermon on what happens to unborn children from David and Bathsheba and Samuel and the bait, you know, and the baby dies and David's mourning. And like, I've, I've heard sermons on those sorts of things and those ultimately go to won't the God of the universe do right? You know, like that's where those ones go. And, um, mm -hmm. but yeah. everybody else is going to hell forever. <laughs> it's, well, just the, it's just the difficult circumstances that we won't address. 
because boy, that might hurt somebody's feelings. I'm I'm just being really hardcore here. Like, well, and what's hard? I think say a bad thing about a little child, right? Right. Well, and I think what's hard about those. Right. Well, what and what's hard about those situations is like if you extrapolate that out. Well, what about the adult? Like, and this becomes very. This depends on your temperament. I think. Like, if you're a somewhat compassionate person, you can. And this isn't to excuse. This isn't to like excuse a person's culpability, but like. I mean, this is where it gets down to really whole systems of things. Like, in order to believe in eternal, I think in order to stomach not believing in universal reconciliation you have to believe in things like total depravity you have to believe in things like original sin you have to believe in because otherwise it would be intolerable you couldn't your 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 conscience wouldn't allow it because it doesn't make sense because when you start extrapolating out those things like um like say say a child that's born into poverty and a single mother and grows up who has friends that are in a gang, they get involved in gangs, they start selling drugs, they get picked up for drugs because let's say they're a minority and they get pulled over by cops and they get thrown into prison because of mandatory mandamum sentencing. And then in prison, they become an actual real criminal when it was just like a young decision that was made and say, maybe they were like a straight A student. And like you start like processing through all these things and this person becomes like, uh, you know, potentially a very hardened, terrible person. But like you can, if you like, if you, if you kind of zoom out and get outside of the lens of time and go all the way back, that person is also at one, a small unborn baby. Yeah, of course. You know? And so, and so it's like, what is, you, you have all these weird rationalizations that you work through to just be like, well, this person isn't saved and this person is saved because of, and this is where I get into like confessionalism and propositional belief and how much you're conscious of it. Like, do you believe someone's just going to heaven because they affirm the right doctrines consciously, whether or not they just do it? Because you don't believe well, in salvation know. by works. So it doesn't matter what a person does in their life. Like all of it starts to get really a gerbled mess. You know the joke of um, of the guy St. Peter showing the guy around heaven, and he goes, "Oh, who's that over there that, in that mansion? Oh, those are the Baptists. You have to be really quiet when you go by because they don't think anybody else here except the one." <laughs> okay, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that is that is that joke is demonstrative of the human tendency to think that we have the answer right to yeah. think that to have to have that thing in my hand you know um we were talking about in the book club yesterday how the preacher i, I can't remember his name something edwards maybe jonathan edwards he, he preached that sermon in the hands of an angry god or yeah something. that's him and um and mcdonald references him in the justice sermon yeah. doesn't like it very much right yeah yeah and and Robert was saying, or, or no, Josh was saying that you know he, he's got you know there's these two pictures of God has you in his in the palm of his hand, and yeah. then there's the there's the King Kong Fay Ray picture right <laughs> of God's got you in his hand. Yeah, you know and you're just like this little screaming meme, hoping that <laughs> you know he's not going to let you drop into in, you know eternal damnation, right? Because he's just fuming mad, right? He's just furious. 
and, and um and that to me that, that is just not coherent that is not coherent with the god that plays out in the old testament of 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 the embodiment of the logos in christ that that picture of this angry god drinking this cup of fury you know it's just it's not it's not it isn't yeah uh so we have so now we're about to max out our second one we got like three <laughs> minutes we got three minutes 45 left caleb what are you thinking i'm just taking it all in um yeah it's a lot of uh food for thought for me personally just where i'm at um yeah because i'm also in a place in life that i'm just like rethinking a lot of things mm. so yeah. it's good timing um okay well that's good yeah um you're, I mean, as long as, yeah, the truth, man, it's the North Star, just stick with that in as much as you can see it. Um, I, I want, I mean, I always am leery of, I would just like to say as a, a closure on this, like, I don't, I don't think people who aren't, this is where I'm very in line with like George McDonald. I don't think people who aren't universalists are somehow like, monsters or evil or like they have this like vindictive violent wrathful capricious god um i th i think we have i think you always have to be careful that even if you think like a certain framework and logic leads to this like you think well upon all these things like that's where i see it going i think it is because of because of the upside downness of this world, Caleb, I think it's possible to hold to convictions like believing in universal or in like eternal conscious torment and not, and not believing all the things that, that, that someone like you, Sherry would think that necessarily entails. Um, yeah. Well, you know, David Bentley Hart even says in the book, there are many wonderful, kind, passionate people who believe in hell forever right yeah um yeah so um i don't know it's a great it's a great i love i love talking about hell not even because i care mostly about where people come down on the issue i think it is a really interesting thing to look into because it shows because it's just something like I was saying, the whole, it, it shows a lot of the ignorance, but dogmatism. And I think it's really healthy for people to be aware of that and then grow in what do I think about this and how does that apply to all other sorts of things? Because really, ultimately, to me, it's a deconstruction of foundationalist rationalism, which is my well, whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, this universal reconciliation isn't about hell. Mm. Yeah. It's about justice and mercy. Yeah. That's what it is. Which to which to us or to me is like two sides of the same coin. Right. Yeah. So all right. Uh we have less than a minute, so I'm just gonna stop it, but it's been awesome. Love the talk. Yeah, it was guys. great. Aloha. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Aloha and we'll maybe see it on randos. Who knows? All right. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> bye bye.